0: Welcome to the well Community jokes. Ontario is starting to reopen. Woo! Yes! There's something that feels good about saying that, but I know that it also brings all sorts of mixed emotions because there's also something that's a little unnerving about that, that I'm like, oh, am I ready for this? Are we ready for this? And I think there's a spectrum. I think some people are, are on one end who are like, yes, finally, we get to see people again. We get to eat out on patios. We get to worship together. But then there's some on the other end of the spectrum who are thinking, hold up, I, I'm not so sure I'm ready to see people again. This year has taken a toll on me. And I think between those two spectrums, there's a whole range in between. And I think even just within each of us, there's a whole range. Like some moments, I'm like, yes, I can't wait. And other moments, I'm like, I kind of panic with all that's ahead. And my best guess would be to think that you're somewhere in between too. And depending on the moment that I ask you, it changes. There is a sense of excitement. There is a sense of, okay, we see hope on the horizon and it's getting brighter. But then there's this sense of anxiousness, of nervousness. This past year has been long. There have been ups, there have been downs, there have been highs, lows, however you wanna frame that. There have been good days and there have been terrible days. Am I right? I read a great article the other day about the recovery process following a marathon. And of course, when you finally finish, the, the, you cross the finish line, you throw your hands up and the race is over. It's just marking the beginning of the recovery process. The race is over, but the recovery is just beginning. Just because the race is over doesn't mean that everything just snaps back to normal and you walk away as if nothing happened. Not at all. A lot has happened. You just ran a marathon. And this past year of COVID has been a marathon. So we need time to recover. We need time to adjust and adapt and figure things out as we continue to take next steps forward. And I believe we need to look at the next few months in a similar way. We need to allow ourselves grace. We need to allow one another grace. So tonight, we're kicking off a new series that God put on my heart called Reset. And it's about resetting ourselves on Christ and why we do what we do. I want us to take some time individually and collectively as a church to reset and recover our why. So before we just hit the ground running and we go back to the way things used to be, the what and the how, I believe we need to reset. We need to refocus on our why. Why do we do what we do? And Because the why is going to drive us. None of us could have anticipated what this last year was gonna bring. And now that we're starting to come out on the other side, none of us can really predict what's gonna happen in the next two to five years, or if we're really being honest with ourselves, what even, what's gonna happen even in the next year? It's just too hard to know at this point. So the result, the end result, the what of what we do might look a little different coming out of COVID. The process of how we do things might look a little different, but our purpose, the why, the reason that we exist, it has not nor will it ever change. So let's take a moment, let's hit reset and let's recover our why. The four words that have defined our vision as the Well Community Church are connect, grow, give, and go. And there's a temptation to see them in a linear fashion. That's how they're written, that's how you could kind of go along, let's connect, we'll grow, we'll give, and we'll go. But I think they're anything but. I think that they can be in all sorts of orders and sometimes we focus more on, on one, on perhaps connection for a season then another season we have one more that's growing or giving back and serving. I know people who have encountered Jesus through studying, growing, and understanding. They sought out the hard questions of life. They figured there's got to be more to life than this. And they started there. And I know other people who who were on service projects, building homes and painting. And they're witnessing other people and saying there's something different about them. But you see, I believe the word go. It's the fourth word, connect, grow, give, go. Even though it's the fourth, I believe that's the word that drives the other three, that drives connect, that drives grow, that drives give. Go is the why behind them. So why do we go? Why do we go to where God sends us? Well, at the very end of Matthew's gospel, the first book that's in our New Testament, Jesus has come back from death and is fully alive and he's been meeting with his disciples his followers and it says this Matthew chapter 28 then the 11 disciples left for Galilee there's no longer 12 Judas is no longer with them after betraying Jesus then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him They worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Now, this word could also mean that some hesitated, that there were mixed reactions. And I like that this is included here because sometimes I feel like when I read the Bible, I just assume everyone just went along with everything. It was smooth sailing. Jesus said this, everyone did it. And it's like, here Jesus appears and they're like, whoa, wait, wait, There, there were mixed reactions. So we're being told that some of Jesus' disciples are just still a little unsure of what's going on because let's be honest, what Jesus is doing is revolutionary. Jesus is bringing heaven and earth together. The work of reconciling and renewing and restoring the world, all things has begun. But what's more is that he's about to ask us, his followers, to participate. So back to Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations or all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As followers of Jesus, he asks us to trust him. And he invites us to participate with him in the ongoing work of transforming the world. Wow. Jesus is the risen king. And he asks us to go and announce to the world that he is on the throne and that he is at work transforming hearts, transforming lives, transforming communities and nations. Jesus is at work renewing and restoring the world. So first, we're told to go. What's interesting here, though, is that this isn't the central command. What I mean by that, the central command, which we'll get to in a minute, is to make disciples. It's not just go for the sake of going, it says go and make disciples. So here what we have is more of a sense of not like go, go, but more of a sense of going of journeying, of traveling, of moving forward. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, as you go, make disciples. In your going, make disciples. And I love this because he's not surprising them with something new or throwing burdens on them. He's not saying okay, while you wait here, start this program and do this or that, or while you wait here, build me this monument. No, not at all. Jesus is saying, as you go, join me in my movement. As you go, participate with me in what I'm doing. Watch me transform the world just as I have transformed your life. We get to be part of this. We get to be part of this transformation of the world. And because you've experienced the good news, the life transformation that Jesus offers, and only that Jesus can offer and provide, he says, go and make disciples. Make followers of Jesus. This is the central command. It's not just going for the sake of going, getting out of here. It's as you're going, make disciples. Disciples, you are included in advancing God's kingdom. As a follower of Jesus, you're part of this. You're included in moving it forward. This is exciting. This aspect of going out and sharing the good news, sharing about Jesus as King, is called evangelism. You may be familiar with the term, or it might be brand new to you. But If you are somewhat aware of this term, a lot of people think it's a Christian term because that's what it's been tagged onto lately. But it was actually a Roman military propaganda term. It meant that Caesar had conquered a new land, that he had captured and enslaved a new group of people. Most likely, it meant that Caesar had crucified any resistors and was now sending out an evangelical to share the good news that another tribe had been conquered. It was this announcer, this evangelical who would say, Caesar is on the throne. But here's what's awesome about this term. The first Christians took this Roman military term and they co-opted it to say, no, 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 no. The world isn't made better through coercive military violence. It's made better through sacrificial love. They're saying, no, 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 Caesar isn't how you remake the world. Jesus is how you remake and transform the world. So they're using this term to go out and share the good news that Jesus is on the throne. The roots of the term for evangelism are in resistance to the corrosive powers of violent empire. Don't you love it? We are announcing a new way forward. We are announcing a new way to live marked by freedom, marked by grace, compassion, mercy, justice, love. We are announcing a new king who is sitting on the throne, and his name is Jesus. We are called to evangelize. We are called to go and be the announcer, say, Jesus is on the throne. And despite what many today suppose, one thing that's basic to our faith and our understanding of the New Testament is that Jesus is already ruling the whole world. We're simply announcing it. But announcing that Jesus is king does not mean that the world is already completely as Jesus intends it to be, okay? So Jesus is already ruling, whether you want to admit that, believe that, recognize that, whatever, he is. But by announcing that does not mean that it's already perfect and how he intends it to be. Instead, by announcing that Jesus is king and Jesus is on the throne, it's an invitation to trust. To trust that Jesus is taking things from, from where it was under the rule of death and corruption and evil and greed and wickedness and he's bringing it under the rule of his life-giving love. And how's he doing this? Through us. You and me, we get to be part of this. Through the people that he's commissioned to go out and make disciples. We get to help. We get to be part of this. And man, we get a front row seat. To witness lives being transformed as God's kingdom continues to move forward. Whew. That this is what excites me most as a pastor. And what I get to do is I get to meet with people and talk with people and get a front row seat to see God come in and Jesus take a hold of their heart and transform their life right in front of me. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, what's happening? This is amazing. And as lives are transformed, we get to baptize. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see, baptism, it's not an optional extra. I think I kind of grew up, even though I was in a Baptist church, I kind of grew up with this understanding. Ah, It's kind of, yeah, I'll do it when I'm ready. But baptism is the public, physical, and visible way in which someone is marked. Almost like being branded. It, it's through baptism that we're not just following the example of Jesus and doing something that he says is good, but we're publicly stepping into this divine life and purpose. Baptism links us to Jesus' death and his resurrection. Paul makes this clear in Romans 6. Well then, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not! Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Man, the power that we have access to. I believe that baptism takes us from a place of being a fan of Jesus and kind of watching him from the sidelines to actually jumping in with both feet and following him. It's saying no 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 i'm a follower of jesus i want the branding i i want the mark i want this public declaration that i am following jesus and as you follow jesus into the waters of baptism and you die to your old life as you go under the water when you come back up out of the water you are entering into a new life and it's a life that has resurrection power. It's a life that has conquered death. It's a life that allows you to step into sacrificial love and grace and compassion. But just like all things new, there's, there's a learning curve. There's a new way of doing things. There, there's a new understanding. So Jesus says to teach teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you as you might be aware i love to play golf and uh this season i've been trying to get out a little bit more although uh doug ford made that hard a few weeks ago but uh now that landon's getting older i thought it would be an excellent time to get him into the sport because now i can golf with him we can have some father-son bonding time there might be some selfish reasons with this, but anyways, <laughs> for his seventh birthday, I decided to get him his first little set of junior clubs. So went over to Canadian Tire, picked them up. He didn't ask for them, but he loved it. And I gave him a gift, gift certificate that said, uh, golf with dad, and he was like, yes, let's go. So I took him to the driving range a couple times. And then just two weeks ago, I took him for his first nine hole course. And it was awesome. Him and I had a blast. We went with uh, his Nana and Grandpa. But I quickly realized that even though I taught him some of the mechanics of swinging the club and hitting the ball, there was still more to teach him. He'd never been on a course before. And on the very first hole, we'd gotten him this push cart and he was running all around with it. And then he, he pushes it across the green. And I'm like, whoa, 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 bud. You, you you can't push it across the green. And he's like, Why not? Like I, I walk across the green. I'm like, yeah, well the carts are a little heavier and they can damage the grass. So so we're wanting to protect the ground, the space there, and we're wanting to respect the people who are gonna be playing afterwards. And it just kinda of made me think, like, yeah, like When people are new to things, they they, they need to they need to learn that there is a new way of doing things. And while it might seem straightforward for someone who's been doing it for a while, it's brand new to someone who's new to this. And this is why Jesus tells us to teach new disciples and remind old disciples of this new way of life. This this new way of living. And it says, teach them the commands that I've given you. The gospel of Jesus generates a very different lifestyle from the way the world lives. So we need to be willing to teach one another and to learn from one another this this new way of love. Following Jesus and submitting to him as king is a new way of life. And it's a new way of living. So we need to set aside some time to to learn, to teach, to grow in our understanding of who he is and how we can live life to the fullest. And here's what I love even more. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. It seems simple, right? But it got me thinking, what are all the commands that Jesus has specifically given so I began researching this question and I discovered that people have all sorts of different lists and it's how they interpreted certain things or if they gave Jesus credit or someone else and they grouped them into different things, but one of them jumped out to me more than the rest. And it was the, the way this person had grouped the commands. It listed several commands in two columns. And then the first column were all the commands that fit into the category, love God. And the second column were all the commands that fit into the category, love others. Do you see that connection, love God, love others? Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, one of the religious leaders asked Jesus about the greatest commandment. So Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God, love others. So when Jesus is saying, teach these new disciples all that I've commanded you, he's essentially saying, teach them how to love me and teach them how to love others. Wow. I I love it. And the last thing that Jesus leaves with his disciples is the promise that he says we can be sure of. He says, I am with you always. I am with you always every single day. The instructions that Jesus have that he's given to us are held in place by the promises at the beginning and at the end of this passage. If you remember at the beginning, Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. But he's not giving us that authority. Instead, he promises to be with us, to go with us as we go and make disciples, to be with us as we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to be with us as we teach these new disciples to do all that He has commanded us every single day. This is why we exist as the Well Community Church to make Jesus known so that lives and our community will be transformed for his glory. So as we continue to go out and make disciples and baptize disciples and teach one another how to love God and love others, and as our our province slowly reopens, may we continue to connect with one another and to gather together as the church to grow in our understanding, to give back in order to see God's kingdom expand right here in Binbrook and around the world. Let's go and share with others that Jesus is ruling the world, that Jesus is king, and share how he has transformed your life. As our province reopens, Take a moment to reset yourself. Take a moment to recover your why. And collectively, as the Well Community Church, let's reset, refocus, and recover our why. As we go out and make disciples, and we get to witness the transformation of people's hearts with the outward expression of baptism, And as we continue to teach one another how to live this new way of life, a life that is filled with love, Jesus is with you always. Put your trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And thank you that through him, you have made it possible for us to be in a right relationship with you. And God, beyond that, thank you for inviting us to participate in your ongoing work of renewing, redeeming, reconciling, restoring the whole world. God, we submit to your kingship, to your lordship. And we say that as you bring heaven and earth together, may your will be done here on earth, here in Binbrook, as it is in heaven. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.